Hello, I'm Josephine Burton and welcome to the Dash Arts Podcast, seeing the world through an artistic lens. At the end of last year, 2019, we hosted a live Dash Cafe at Rich Mix in London on the 30th anniversary of the Velvet Revolution in the former Czechoslovakia. I brought together writers and filmmakers from Czech Republic and Slovakia to explore the spirit of revolution back in 1968 and where it is today. So in today's episode, I'm going to play you this live recording and I'll be back at the end to wrap up. Enjoy. I'll give you a little bit of a context for Dash Cafes. As you, as you saw um, uh, on, on screen, we are an international arts organisation that makes quite big shows um, with artists abroad. And on the way to making quite these large-scale productions, we, um, we meet extraordinary artists and we come across amazing writers and filmmakers and musicians and storytellers. And the cafes are our opportunity to explore and learn a little bit more from these amazing artists and these, some of the ideas that we come across as part of our research. The current program of work that we're working on at DASH at the moment is e-utopia, exploring what it means to be European. And it really obviously, it came, it came from a position in the UK of, of, of asking what it meant to be European in the wake of Brexit. And, but obviously these are questions that are being asked across Europe and, and particularly in, in, I, I have, have been asked over the last 30 years in Czech Republic and Slovakia, as I'm sure we'll hear a little bit particularly from Susanna and, and her writing in a bit. So that's the kind of context for the evening. Um, to my left, we have Monica, who is... Um, Monica, I'm... Oh, <laughs> there you are. <laughs> Thank you very much, Monica. Monica um, uh, is a, a, a diplomat and a writer and a journalist and an academic, and um, we are going to hear a little bit from Monica shortly. And um, on my left here, we have Susanna. I'm sorry, I'm, f- I'm going to fail miserably to pronounce all your, your last names. Do, are you happy with me? You happy to be first names? Absolutely. Oh, perfect. Susanna. Yes, good. We're informal this evening. Um, so, Susanna, um, who uh, is, a, is, is, a, is also a journalist and a writer, and, pub, and, and, uh, and we're going to hear a little bit in English of her, one of her most recent pieces, translated by Julia Sherwood, who's in the audience this evening. Um, so, thank you very much to Susanna. Um, <laughs> um, and Andre is on my right. Andre is also, also a writer and a DJ. And uh, also a journalist, and um, we will hear some of his writing as well this evening. Um, and to my right, we have filmmaker Teresa. Oh, sorry, we, we should carry on with the applause for Andre. Thank you very much. And finally, on my right, we have Teresa, who, who, who's a, he's a documentary filmmaker and a feature filmmaker. Um, and I, when I was looking at your work, I had the, also the privilege to watch Filthy, which was amazing. So I highly recommend um, Teresa's fiction as well as her, her documentary work. For those of us who, don't, who weren't there and who don't know enough about it, it would be brilliant if you can give us a sort of short potted history of what happened in November 89 and um, from your own memories. And, bef- and while Monica's doing that, I'm delighted to say that behind us on the screen, not only will there be a picture of Monica, but there's also pictures of... Um, uh, of, of oh, of Prague. Yeah. There she is. There is Monica on the screen. Um, it yeah. is you, isn't it? Absolutely. Okay, yeah. just checking. <laughs> um, do you remember where you were there? Um, I was in Albertov on a Friday. It was a Friday, the 17th of November. On my right, notice the guy who helps me with the microphone is Misha Glenny, now a very famous author. And he was a young journalist posted in Prague then. And the guy with the scarf with our, towards us with his back is Martin Maestrik, who was my closest 
colleague in the in the student movement. The student movement in Prague was active for two, three years before 89, maybe. And by we getting the official of authorization the for this demonstration, we were hoping to attract bigger crowds than we saw in 87, 88, and 89, because we took part in every demonstration that Charter 77, the ones, the independent peace movement, and other non-governmental groups were organizing. But there were always a couple of hundreds of the same people, and it was so frustrating. We basically knew each other <laughs> faces of people who went to a demonstration every 21st of August, which was the Russian occupation, 28th of October, the National Day, and, of course, the first week of January 1989, the Jan Palach week. Interestingly, another we, student... I, I couldn't interrupt uh, Monica in her flow, but we do have some phenomenal images that we might screen very briefly now, which are from an exhibition called Touching 89, which are, is currently on show at the Czech Centre and is, 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 is play, is, is, will be there until the 10th of January. And these are just a few of the images. Um, so this was the really hard, hard time because um, in 1988 there was very little hope. Uh, and as you could see, yeah, it, it, it was... This is the first um, demonstration that was allowed to happen on the 10th of December 1988, uh, the Day of Human Rights, just because François Mitterrand visited Prague and he insisted. This says, release political prisoners, and it's a very rare photo. This is maybe Jan Palach week, is it, André? January like 1989. Um, uh, he's going to, I'm going to ask Andre to hear a little. He's going to read us a little bit um, uh, in in Czech, and then Christina. We're going to hear. We're going to. Sorry, sorry, you're absolutely right. Thank you for correcting me. Christina's going to read us some in English, and then and then Andre is going to give us a little bit in in Czech afterwards. Thank you, Christina. Before we do, do you want to give us a bit of a context for what yeah, we're going to hear? It's a few paragraphs from my second book, which, which is called To the Border, and it takes place uh, in August 69, when there was the, uh, the, there were great or big demonstrations in Prague. They were becoming a force, and imp as impulsive and chaotic as the city around them. Stavala se z nich síla, neurovnaná a impulsivní, chaotická jako město kolem. They wanted to conquer it for themselves, for a moment at least, Rip it from the clutches of power that kept releasing more and more water cannons and metal monsters, personal carriers and eventually tanks. Chtěli ho pro sebe dobít, aspoň na chvíli. Vytrhnout ho ze spáru moci, jež na ně vypouštěla další a další kovová monstra, vodní děla, transportéry a nakonec tanky. Házeli po nich kameny, zastavit je nemohli, ale dokázali to na zelenou načrnění. Six, 70 as that young person, but you must have lived through, lived through 89, as you mentioned earlier, and relived, relived, relived these experiences through your, through your own in 89. Were you thinking of that as you wrote that, please? To be honest, not really. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's more of a person, 
personal story for me, not in a way of me being there or my, but it was quite, it was quite romantic in a way to to come there knowing you are going going to lose basically. So, so, so can you tell us your your journey from? So you you couldn't study humanities with Monica in eighty nine. You were studying special special education. I mean, in the years after the revolution, uh, many lives changed, and my two, mine too, because my, we started a pirate radio station with friends, with few friends, and the station was legalized afterwards because that was really nice about the years after the revolution. The it really seemed like the police abdicated all its duties. Like they were never to be seen. And when they were seen, they were trying to look like not being there. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot, a lot of stuff was Excellent. possible. For instance, starting Pirate Radio Station. And so presumably a lot of this stuff was going on at the time. You know, there was this, this lapse of authority that, gener- that meant that lots of new projects were being generated. Yeah, I mean, it was like... It, 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 it was uh, like f- first like five years, maybe four, after the, revol- the revolution were really years of like post, maybe passionate or even possessed dreaming because you know, uh, I was 23 when the revolution came, which was kind of ideal age. Uh, maybe for older people it was much harder because they had to feel really big pressure because oh shit I'm 40 and I have I may be 20 years to uh, to do everything I ever wanted in my life so people were so some people dreamt about you know having the biggest party of their life some people dreamt about uh, stealing an oil refinery Uh, and they both succeeded Sadly. There is some, there is an a removal of what's happened, what, you know, what came before. There's this great opportunity and great freedom to do what you want to do and live what you love, you want to live. And then there is this power grab. And uh, I'm interested in understanding, like, are they all the same people? You know, who, uh, and it would be great before we, before, before we move into Susanna's prose, can someone give, give me a bit of clarity? Um, any of you, all of you, thoughts? I know that this is this is something that you looked into in your in your book in your film, Teresa. Well, all I can say is that Slovak story of '90s was quite different than Czech. It like we didn't have this wild party. Like overall, I mean, we had some nightlife, sure, but I mean, like Paul, poli- you were not there. No, but <laughs> I was there. No, but politically, I mean, uh, because it wasn't like you know, having the Rolling Stones invited to the Prague Castle and Frank Zappa coming over with Havel. And, you know, we didn't have that. That's what I'm talking about. Because uh, as I mapped in my movie, we had Vladimir Mechier who grabbed the the power. And along with him, uh, he made a political party and the people in in this political party was communists, former, all of them. Like absolutely all of them. So, uh, so you know, they just switched to the different system, but uh, it was the same kind of people who was there. And what 
eventually happened that they, they you know, they privatize everything uh, for their friends. So that's how they stole money uh, from the state. And, uh, and they, they drone us very far, far away from de democracy that later on when we tried to join the European Union and NATO, we were told, no, we, you can't because uh, the, 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 the party who is leading your country is not democratic, so you, you can't join these structures. And that was a huge wake-up call for us to maybe change something in uh, 1998. Um, come, but let's come back to this idea of this sort of spirit of the revolution, the kind of energy of, of, of that early years and where it went. Because, of course, Susanna, you inherited, a, you inherited it a few years later. I mean, you came of age in this sort of 20s, of your 20s, when this period had passed. I can still connect to, to that, that spirit and energy that, that you were speaking about, the, the, the end of the 90s, the, the wild parties, and somehow thinking that, that the borders have to be redrawn and knew that things are possible and that West means some kind of higher consciousness, maybe like it can be done through drugs, that it's some kind of a state out of normal bodily state, let's say. So we, we had all these kind of fantasies that we are trying to live. And that was nightlife, that the normal life was, was, was in a way pretty desperate because the old structures didn't function and the new structures were not in, in place still. So there was a complete breakdown of everything that was functional before, including the artistic scene and uh, the burst of energy of independent culture at the, at the same time. People started leaving the country and that's where I come in with, with my prose, trying to, to map the stories, how people actually go and confront these ideas of what West means and they go and they test it in Paris, in, in, in Helsinki, in London, um, in all other European cities, and they try to figure out through their like little details and, and uh, experience what the real West means, and it's not a monolith, it's, it's not a higher state of consciousness. Right. So I think in a second we're going to hear some, some of your writing. It was written in 2015. It's from the last book, Reflux, right? Reflux. So it's, a, it's more of a family setting of um, how, how it feels when, when you come back with good education, but you just don't fit in. You switch between windows and never quite finish anything, except when you force yourself, when you give yourself a kick up the ass. But in the meantime, you give the appearance of a dynamic staff member keen to participate in everything support everything and go wherever they send you. And since you picked the right moment to switch from dope to the gym and landed a job, you now have the energy to give it your all. But this all is just the if same. If at that moment Pharaoh had hit the crash barrier, he would have heard all he needed for his entire life to flash before his very eyes. Eva had already classified and sorted everything for him. Um, there is a there's been a flurry of kind of looking back 30 years and comparing 30 years to today. Um, 30 years ago to today. I mean, obviously, Monica's done that herself in, through her book, but I'd be interested, in what, how, is, how is that, that spirit of revolution and change being covered 
today in the press in, in, in both in, in Slovakia and Czech Republic. Is there is there a um, I mean I was I was I was thinking about it as, this evening and I was thinking a little bit about how people how how um, when China marked its hundred years in uh, in October there was this sense of what well, well sorry its anniversary there was a sense of how do we really mark it because we don't really want to talk about the spirit of revolution so much because we don't want to ferment revolution today. Is there a similar experience? happening on the ground, have you experienced similar things? Like, how do you talk about that revolution? I think that the most important difference would be that now we're, we're, we realize that there were three women remembering events that we, apart, apart from Monica, we don't, yeah. we don't really remember. Usually you would have um, guys in their 50s, 60s still wearing their revolutionary sweaters and remembering the, the, the moments. So this is I left my sweater back there, but I can bring <laughs> to fit in with us. Uh, I think that, that in a way, revolution became a property of of these fifty, sixty years old guys, and they are those who are allowed to to remember, to frame the memories for the whole nation, and somehow the rest of the. The nation is a, is a crowd of people, as a, a mass of bodies that remember, that have been there, have been somehow pushed out from from the picture, and it became like the individual elites that that would speak up and 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 frame the memories. So I think that that would be my objection or observation. What what I saw, how we how we remembered things, and. Um, Yes, I think it only came with uh, our generation of women of 30s who who were um, taught once again what feminism is, that they would ask, like, what did our mothers do? Where all the, all the women that were making coffee for the gentlemen while they were having their meetings? So there is, a let's say, a feminist revival uh, again, but the kind of a panel that, that we have here that's... It's for me, that's very, in a way, exotic. That's very strange. I, I feel inappropriate. I think, unfortunately, it's still... You're not inappropriate. You're extraordinary. Um, but I think it's still the same in this mythical West. I mean, we all struggle with the same issues. You know, it's, it's always... Yeah. Uh, sorry, that, that is... That was my biggest surprise. I went to France uh, in 1990 with the idea that, A... Everything was done in Czechoslovakia, and I can leave and learn new things. B, France will be perfect. Western democracy, men, women, old, young, social justice. You know. And three, when I came back ten years later, the horrible surprise of seeing Mr. Mechiar and Mr. Klaus and other gentlemen of that age uh, holding all the power. That was really, 10 years later, that was a shock. But also I believe that we, we, we really learned a lesson of democracy. And in 1998, when, when Mecher was beaten in, in regular elections, and there was a big like civil, civic society upheaval before that, that, that was something that, that we really achieved. And we, we remembered it again the, in last year, in 2018, that was the first time that we started thinking that maybe in a way we learned some some um, abilities that are necessary for democracy which is a lift project you have to know how to do it and 
Mecha really gave us a great lesson. So in a way, we should be thankful that we had we had Trump in a way be, be, before Trump was 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 there. So with with all kind of like autocratic manners and being disrespectful to the division of power and all kind of um, systemic things that are very normal for you that mm, people would be now really surprised like what is Trump doing that's that's really that's really crazy we're we're not okay with that that in a way Slovaks um, realize that that they don't want to tolerate it they don't want to to um, turn the course of history and they're saying it now again in 2018 there was a reason why we went to the squares again maybe that is as you were probably on the on the squares. We we remember yeah. these demonstrations. <laughs> so, so this is so you were on the square in two thousand eighteen. Yeah, and nineteen even. It's still going on. I mean it's like I don't know, for me it seems like we always wake up when there's some huge tragedy because um with Vladimir Mechar uh before he he was he got out of power um one person died uh, in connection with the case when he uh had a, his secret service uh kidnapped the president's son who was his political rival and uh in connection with that a person who was uh, uh who was helping to 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 make the case about it uh he was blown up uh in the in his car and and has died and that was somehow a start I mean, not absolute start, but I think for most of the people, it was kind of wake up moment. And the same thing happened uh, when um, Slovak journalist Jan Kucek and uh, his fiance Martina Kushnirova was uh, shot. And that was the moment for people to wake up in uh, 2018. And we got out of two squares because it, we, we always fall asleep after we do something and then we're just like, yeah, whatever, you know, it's okay right now. I mean, it's corruption, but everywhere is corruption, so whatever, you know. And that's, that's what I was hearing all the time. Even when I was doing this movie, people were telling me like, oh, you cannot compare what's going on right now with Matriarch Times. And then, like, just two months after the premiere, uh, there was this murder and the same people came back to me and they were like, oh, no, <laughs> we were wrong. It's, it's completely bad, but we just we were not able to see it or we didn't want to see it. I don't know. So, yeah. And do, you, do you feel that, I mean, I, you, you, hinted, you hinted, Andre, when you were talking about 1970, that it doesn't always happen. But do you think that there is still a sense that if you go on the streets, change will come? I'm... You know, is, is, there a, is there an optimism? Because obviously, I mean, we're seeing a lot of people on the streets across the world at the moment in protest against populist governments. Um, and often people probably don't feel that change can come, but they're going to do it anyway. Um, but my sense is that in, 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 Czechoslo in Czechoslovakia and in Czech Republic and, and Slovakia today, there is, a, there is optimism. Absolutely. I think that what is really interesting is that... Um, People started realizing in Slovakia first and in Czech part of the former Czechoslovakia later on that it's not enough to just sit at the computer and do like or not like on the Facebook, that you have to physically, with your body, with your whole organism, with the risk that it takes, um, 
Václav Havel like to speak about body art in, in a different context, Ludvík Vaculík and his Czech dream book. But yes, uh, your whole person has to be there in the streets, in the square. And that's the only weapon we, the citizens, have. And that's why I am so happy to see people like Teresa in Slovakia and to see people like the young Mikuláš Minář and Benjamin Rolde, who call themselves Million Moments for Democracy in Prague now and in other regional cities. I really like them because they say, uh, this is what we do not want. And they say, Uh, the oligarchs, the, all the power in the hands of these wealthy people linked to the old regime, etc. This is what we are going to do about it. And here we are, 250,000 people, um, standing here in the cold or in the hot <laughs> weather, uh, in small numbers in regional towns like my local town in northern Bohemia, Děčín, there were 35 people, but still, that's okay, uh, because only by being there you can show to the politicians that you really mean it. It was a crowd of 35 people. That was a big <laughs> crowd. For us, it was a huge crowd, and I'm so proud of it. But I mean, if it, sorry, just to, because you, I think there is this, like, mixed feelings about this within the young young generation also because at one hand there is this sort of like hope and 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 this like devotion like yes we have to do something because otherwise what you know like who's gonna do it but at, at at the same time there is also a little bit of uh desperation because even you see the huge squares full of people like three thousand people now in the anniversary of the uh, revolution in, in Prague, what does it do with the Czech politicians, with those who they, we are protesting against? Nothing yet. Yeah, because numbers are on their side, basically. Yeah. Because 300,000 people is quite a lot of people, and 3 million voters is 10, 000, uh, 10 times more. Mm. That's basically what, what they can tell you. And they are not lying actually mm. but, but presumably there's a there's a there's a fear there must be a fear in the authorities that it's happened before it could happen again no i don't think so in slovakia no, it's I mean, a little bit different maybe situation not, not, not in no no <laughs> i don't I, do, i i don't have a feeling that uh, our prime minister lives in fear now he does absolutely the only thing that he is scared about is having thousands and thousands of people in the streets every day or every week, like in Slovakia. I think this is really something that we Czechs can learn from you, Slovaks, that it has to be not once six months, but it has to be every day, every day, every time something happens. And that's why I really like these young people in the million I, I love young people I, know, but <laughs> I, like them. I invited them actually I, I invited them to the uh, theater where Civic Forum was founded 30 years ago so there were all these people who founded the Civic Forum you know all those men in those pullovers sweaters, sweaters and we were two women on the stage Jana Petrova who used to be in prison at the time for the 
independent peace movement and myself for the Shimu movement. Anyway, I invited these young people because I wanted them to tell to this lot that they really mean it, that they really mean it. They do not want to become political party themselves, which is quite reasonable because they are 24, 5, 6, still studying. Uh, they probably would be misused, they would be infiltrated, whatever. But they want to force the democratic parties in opposition. There are like six parties in the Czech parliament that have very similar program that are all led but one now by these men who just cannot sit at a table and make a coalition like you made it in Slovakia. And every time I talk to them, I'm like, do you need somebody to die like in Bratislava? Do you really need somebody to be dead before you sit down and you put your 5.5% and 6.2% and 12% and together so that we can beat Mr. Andrei Babish? Because he can only be beaten in a democratic election. That is absolutely clear. I, I, I just wanted to add a little bit different thing, but I think it's still connected or I definitely feel it as a huge thing in context with the student movement because um, in Prague, in the philosophical uh, faculty, uh, there was a strike on this anniversary uh, 30 years uh, after the revolution and the strike was a climate strike. So, uh, so there is not just the issue of having oligarchs in the in the top positions uh, of, of, of our state, but there is also this huge issue which is not connecting just like Czech and Slovak, but whole Europe and whole world and it's everywhere and it's growing. And I think, you know, I think all those things you were saying in the beginning of this talk, like how you first you knew everybody and all these faces because it was all these same people always showing up. That's, I feel like, where it's now with the climate movement and people who are, I don't know, doing some Extinction Rebellion things and, you know, stuff. And hopefully it will grow because that's also... I don't know. And, and it was a, it was deliberately chosen on the seventeenth. Oh yeah, very much because yeah. and it was a huge problem because uh, they wanted to kick them out like with the police force and it was a you know there was a little bit like are you? Of course what, they, they did. Andre, they yeah. called us for help. The former students, yeah. uh, they invited me and other colleagues. No, to it the didn't happen in Vienna, of course. No, no, the police force didn't kick them out, but it, they they were about to. I'm just exactly. talking about... Yeah. They were like, so what the is, hell actually, are you doing here? Just get out of here. And, and there was such a disrespect yeah. for their opinion and feeling and as if... As if the revolution never happened, really. Uh, it's really interesting how the police, army, maybe secret services tend to have a attitude towards young people, students especially. Not only in Czechoslovakia, but everywhere. Yeah, yeah just a little footnote. Uh, it's, it's funny how when we speak about uh, structures of power, we always say they. Yeah. <laughs> Don't specify. That's that's very much a heritage of of all times, I guess. Right. It's not definitely not us. They. <laughs> I I want to I want to use this as an opportunity to 
to talk to us out there, um, not them out there. Um, does anybody um, have any questions for my extraordinary group of artists and thinkers? There's a microphone coming to you now. I would like to ask, if I'm not mistaken, but the two politicians who were responsible for division, dividing Czechoslovakia, both Václav Klaus and Jan Czarnogórski, who was Slovak Prime Minister in the years 1991-1992. The Miečar came to power when he lost the election after the division of the country. Yeah, but it wasn't divided with Czarnogórski. It wasn't yeah, but it was divided. He started the process. Yeah. made the agreement with Klaus to divide the country. No, no, no. no. Miečar, Let's be fair it wasn't here. Miečar. No, no, no. Yes. Jan Czarnogórski, the Christian Democrat, just for Slovak, Slovak Christian Democrat, former dissident, somebody who was still in prison when we were demonstrating, uh, did make one, I would say, almost linguistic mistake. I remember his sad face when he realized what he said. He said that he would want Slovakia to have one day its own star on the European flag, which was a very metaphorical, you know, because the European flag does not change with every member state coming in or unfortunately now coming out. We won't be erasing a yellow star from the flag now that the British are leaving, unfortunately. And Jan Czarnogórski, when he realized what it meant to some people and how Vladimir Mečiar and Václav Klaus immediately misused it. They said, this is the will of the Slovak people. We do not need a public referendum. Let's just do it. Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a really... Because I wasn't there, or I was very small, but when I was trying to study this whole process of splitting our countries because of the movie, I was like, what? what? And then I found out where it started, really. It started with a dash. Because what happened was that they, they didn't know how to name the Czechoslovakia, if it should be Czechoslovakia or, you know, with the dash or without the dash. And that was the first point of this crazy, uh, dramatic, angry discussion. And it, it even caused demonstrations that people were like... We don't want dash, or we want dash between these two yeah, words, but, uh, and that and that started, and that was like the first point when, yeah, when but the, the nationalistic. Uh, the dash was a symptom. Of course, that's what I'm no, saying. Yeah. It did not start with a dash. Well, it started with something else. No, it's conflict started we, with the dash. Guys, we at the yeah, embassy it, in Paris, we changed the, the, the placard on the building let's three stay with yes. times yes. within. But Six uh, there, 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 there okay. existed some. Okay, it's divided. Guys, guys, guys the let's, countries let's divided. Not, I was going to say, let's not reunite to the. Let's unite. Let's reunite. Yes. Not let not us deal kill with him the, now. Yeah, the I, mean, I, I think there's a question at the back. <laughs> Regardless of the dash. Uh, sorry, uh, it, it may seem like a meager point, but because I am from Czech Republic, I just want to have a small point uh, towards the climate change. Uh, uh, demonstration which was held on philosophical faculty. Actually, uh, the prodecan the of the faculty was discussing with the students. The problem was that the people weren't able to, uh, 
to name any representatives. It, the, there were articles written, uh, uh, written about this. I know the guy, Daniel Sokup. He was trying to uh, talk with them. He's actually pro-climate. He's actually le leftist. The problem was that it was a chaotic uh, uh, group of people. Some of them were Marxists. And that was the point. And you, you're discussing like somebody who was trying to uh, turn them out of the school because they were anti-revolutionary remembrance. It wasn't like that, please. Okay, thank you. Thank you for clarifying. There, there is a... No, well, okay. what? Sorry. Do, do, Teresa, because... If no, I mean, it's like we all have some sources of information and some, like, we all know somebody who knows somebody who organized something and... I, the thing is, like, not to cause this, like, you know, conflict between us. I was using this example of uh, climate strike in a philosophical faculty not to tell, like, oh, it's back again and they're, like, communists or whatever. I was trying to say that in the, the, the tradition of student movement, there is another issue which, is, which students are aware of and they... And they want to talk about it on the anniversary because is that important so and, and and later maybe we can talk about you know who said what and how how it was made but but i think what is important is this simple well, fact thank you Teresa. and i and i to me it was very interesting and it was in the question of whether the spirit of the revolution lives on and of course the ideals of the revolution do live on they're just moving into different places and it's great that somebody cares yeah, exactly. I, uh, there was a question. There was a question over there. Yes, thank you. Um, it's a question for M Monica. You mentioned that you now talk to these young students, and you um, you say, "Oh, they're not interested in being politicians because they're just twenty-four, um, etc." Um, and you say, "Oh, and maybe rightly so." But wouldn't you say that from your own experience? Actually, the reason why all of this stuff in the 90s in Slovakia now in Czech Republic happened was because the student leaders didn't really quite grasp the chance as well as they could. So maybe is, it is the time to tell the students, sit down, study your philosophy and languages and literature, but read up on statecraft, administration, get into it. Is, is that maybe not a better thing to say, but say then, oh, well, they're young. Maybe it's better that they're not politicians. Thank you for that question, because <laughs> everywhere I have been going now for weeks and months, um, it does, it is somewhere in the air. Why did the student leaders not use the power of persuasion, honesty, youth, energy use in a political career. Um, I can only speak for myself. Uh, I think that at the age of 23, you are not, even if you are very determined, very interested, uh, you read as much as you can, etc., you are not really ready to um, be a political representative and I really was happy that there was this generation above us, Václav Havel and Jiří Dinsbír and Luboš Dobrovský and others, Dasha Bureshova, uh, people who were 
actually my age, 53, 54, and a little bit more, who were ready to uh, take the responsibility. Uh, I really do not agree with uh, some of my colleagues, like Martin Maestrich is the great example. He claims in his diaries uh, that uh, we should have, and it was a stolen revolution from the students, and if only we could be, you know, etc. I don't, I don't think we would have been any better than these people who really, uh, they lived through a lot. They were born in the 30s and 40s. They, uh, they, they did 1968 very actively as journalists, historians, diplomats sometimes. Um, and they went through everything with Charter 77. Prison, interrogations, horrible pressure. Some were forced to leave the country, some stayed because they... They, they took it as a question of honor. They will not get me out of here. Uh, and when I met them personally, uh, and when I say they, I mean really that lot around Václav Havel and Jiří Dinsbír and Petr Pidhat, which was not that big. It was maybe 30, 40 people. I was really impressed. I was really impressed, and I was very happy that they, they took over, that Václav Havel became president, Jiří Dinsbír became minister of foreign affairs, and I was so happy I could work for them. I think if it wasn't for them, the membership in NATO and the membership in the European Union, which were the two most important things for me in diplomacy, but also as a person, I wanted the country to be for the first time safe, not in danger that the Russian tanks will roll in overnight, and to be part of Europe again. One of the slogans already on the 17th of November was back to Europe. Hyphen, entre parenthèses, as the French would say. For me, it is so strange to be in London at the moment when you cannot believe it. I spent five years in Paris in diplomacy, then five years in Strasbourg. British colleagues in the cultural committee were my favorite colleagues because they were precise, budget, plan, structure, schedule, okay, goals, target, you know, compared to the messy French or to the Greeks that never gave me the report in time or, you know, the British and the Irish... They were darlings, sweethearts. I just cannot understand it. But that's, of course, completely different matter. It's a completely different matter. We can't understand it either. <laughs> but exactly. I want to, but maybe I, I should go somewhere uh, else than <laughs> London and, maybe, well, and talk maybe. to people. Why? But a little bit, just last sentence on that. I think that the... I know those last sentences of yours. No, sorry. <laughs> uh, the misunderstanding between Czech and Slovak politicians reminds me very much of the misunderstanding between British politicians at the moment. I think those who launched the Brexit maybe did not foresee the tragedy that they prepared for their country. Well, I'm, sure, I'm sure you're right. suggesting they're the Slovaks of Britain? <laughs> <laughs> Um, can I just before we move on to talk about Brexit or we don't talk about Brexit I want to I'm really interested in that in, 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 in hearing 
um, Teresa and Susanna's reflections on the, the question and Monica's answer, because um, do you, I mean, obviously, you, Monica, you were very clear in articulating the positives that, that came from that, that respecting and then giving the opportunity to that, that generation. But, of course, many things, did, there wasn't enormous change in the kind of the system of government, like, you know, that might have been brought in had the students... Had, it, had, had the whole thing been overseen by the students? And I'd be interested in your, what, what your thoughts are hearing Monica's response and whether you feel similarly. I have to say I disagree with the idea that being 23 is too young for politics. Um, Prime Minister of Austria is 32, if not, I'm not mistaken, which means that he, he was with political structures way before to make his Excuse way up. Excuse me, Sebastian Kurz is not exactly... <clears throat> it doesn't matter whether you like him or <laughs> well, not. It's he's, linked to he's the prime age. minister of Austria. He's full of himself. I don't like his big so ears, young. but it doesn't. I mean, what? what that, that, I don't think that that's really. And that's how really can a, be somebody a right winger at this age? Well, Monica, let, let <laughs> give, give Susanna an opportunity to to, to respond. <laughs> so and sorry, we, somebody else. We are the Greens in Germany. We have, we have these uh, dilemmas now with the uh, leaders of the, of the move movement that was active in 2018. There were voices asking whether, um, how come that these people are organizing strikes that have political demands um, if they, they are not members of party structures? And there were voices from the government saying like, you guys, you don't make uh, political changes from the street, you have to uh, start, the, start the party, go through elections, go through the mundane political work, and then you can challenge us. Uh, that did not quite uh, work the way that the government parties wanted. Um, the changes were done. The, the, um, ex the prime minister had to step down. A um, few other crucial figures, like minister of interior, uh, the chief of police had to step down. And... Um, then one of the leaders joined the political party that, that is now uh, leading the opposition. And then, again, there were reproaches like, uh, you can see how that was, that was prepared from the very beginning. These demonstrations were a platform for this new opposition to begin. So there's never a good answer that would make um, people from, the, from the, the other side of the political spectrum happy. They would always say you need structures for, for doing politics. And then they would say um, that, was, that was planned and prepared and the, the, the pro people were abused for the protest in order to start a new political um, force. So, um, and just to, to give it a, give it a, a point, um, this guy is 20-something. He haven't finished his dissertation because he was a leader of, a, of the movement. And... We'll see how he, how he manages. But also, the leaders of the, of the national movement in the 19th century, most of them died in their 40s. So that, that the means... The life expectancy was 46 or something? That's true, <laughs> but they were politically active in, in their I 20s. Know, I, know. So I just think there is a division of responsibility in the society. And... Um, 
There are people who like to be professional politicians. They are paid for it and they should do their job. For example, I, those but, who but are mon- now in opposition in Czech Republic. Then there is civic society. These people in the streets and in the squares that are very good at organizing big demonstrations and setting the agenda and, and, and forcing these politicians to do their job. And I think that is a good division of labor. I think it's... I mean, I was growing up in the, in the environment where politics was something which was dirty and filthy and you would never join it. That's my experience, and uh, that's why I never joined the, you know, and also, also I was wanting to do other things. But um, when I started to be politically active, at least within in my head, and started to vote, and you know, like being part of all these things, I also started to think like, okay, I can. How can I change what I'm terribly pissed about? And uh, and when I was doing this. Doc, we went for like a tour uh, through uh, Slovak high schools, and uh, it was great because we always had screening and a talk with the students, and we always get into this topic of like what to do and what can we do, and 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 I was trying really because I believe that's very a big part of it. I was trying to encourage them to. To, to think about the, the care in politics if they if they feel like it if they think that that's that would be good for their lives and careers and and because that's the only way how really you know step in and change it and because my generation <laughs> was in the environment when the politics wasn't nothing fancy to 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 go to I think that that's why also we have only these people who are just hungry for power and and just misusing their powers right now in politics and and mafia in white colors basically let's be honest that that's also a heritage of 1989 that we were in a way taught that politics is for bad people yeah and the, the new wave of activism that you were just mentioning that's that's uh, that only happened recently since we had fascists in the parliament 2016 when all of a sudden i mean people from the cafes like most of us sort of realized like okay we have to go to the country to the countryside and talk to people and and discuss and see and see how these fascists got it made it to the to the parliament because that that was a that was a big shock for us in a way well, I, yes i mean like it's 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 a it's one of the refrains of last 30 years is the let's wait for the new generation of those amazing young people who are not stained with sins of the past and they will clear and uh, improve all our excuse me fuck ups and i started in 1990 as a member of the generation which should which was expected to do, to do that now i Uh, part of the generation which is expected to leave and make place for the real <laughs> saviors. Which, <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm not really overly optimistic about it, but I'm not I'm not pessimist neither. But I I think you know Susanna said said a nice thing about them and us and. Uh, 
and maybe us is a problem too. Uh, we, we really do not like to discuss. Uh, there's always a talk about the, uh, the, if it weren't for that Mechiar or Klaus or Babish, but those guys, they are not asteroids which were somehow catapulted to the country. They, they My family voted for Mechiar. Yeah. 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 I, yeah I, I mean, if, if, I? If, if, if us is, uh -huh. especially in Czech Republic, because Slovak us is quite you know, active, but us in Czech Republic is a long, uh, long-term loser in politics. So maybe uh, us does something wrong, or maybe us <laughs> could think about it itself. And I just have two uh, things that I really believe in. Number one, a politician should not be politician by profession. I think it should be a good teacher, journalist, writer, filmmaker, whatever, worker, but somebody who is good at something and has a place to return to. And second, I really believe, and I am hated for it in <laughs> the civic forum environment, one should not have more than two mandates, four years and four years, and that's it, go away. Of course, I was never popular with this, but I think that the disease, the, the, the powerful and the, the sick and in power book and the diagnosis of people are attracted to power because they are a little bit gaga themselves or they want to do good and they became a little bit gaga during the process. I think that is very true. I have been studying psychology for 35 years now. Changes the brain. I, it I really read the research does now. change the people. Yeah. And, and even the best people that I could observe uh, did change. Luckily, they did not change that much. But, but like Sasha Vondra changed a uh, lot. Sasha Vondra is a Gaga uh, power. astronaut, oh, whatever. Yeah. Like the, the youngest dissident, you know, the youngest spokesperson of Charter. And, and is there something that doesn't change people actually? Guys, I'm going like, to. I'm going to because we could go on forever. I think we've raised so many extraordinary ideas this evening. But um, maybe it could be interesting to to, to ask people I, what I, do I'm they think should politicians be politicians as profession and should they stay forever in the post? Okay, well, let's have a quick raise of hands. Do, should politicians, should there be career politicians? Do we, people think it should be career politicians? Pick your hands up. Oh, very few. So most people agree with Monica that people should have a career outside politics and then be able to return to them. Is that the case? Or are you, are you putting your hand up for that? Uh, more, <laughs> more people. Um, I, I, I tell you, I think we've, we've, we, have, um, we have spoken from the stage for long enough. I know that my um, wonderful panel of, 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 of artists and writers and creators and thinkers are going to be here having a drink. Are you happy to have a drink with us? So, so please come. I'm sure there were many questions that weren't asked um, publicly. Please come and talk to people privately. And we've got playlist coming. I couldn't convince Andre to DJ, but we have got some nice music playing. Um, uh, so, and the bar's open, so stick around and have a drink. Um, and I want to do a couple of thank yous. First of all, I want to thank Julia um, for, Julia Sherwood for initiating this project and for bringing, coming along with the, for Renata in the Czech Centre and the Director of Czech Centre has been here this evening. Really to have had, it's just been an amazing opportunity to, to work with you and to have 
the opportunity to meet some extraordinary artists. So thank you so much. Um, both, um, there are two kind of contemporaneous and overlapping programs of um, exploring the revolution um, and the 30 years of, since the revolution happening this month. And I think they both sort of finish at the end. Well, I know that, I know that um, Raising the Revolution, Julie, is that the title? Raising the Velvet Curtain, which has a little poster for it at the back over there. Um, they, that's almost complete, but there is an event here tomorrow night upstairs with a wonderful dancer who's going to be performing. Um, so and their art tickets still available if you want to buy them. And the Czech Centre's programme is still going, and there are brochures round for the Czech Centre programme, including that phenomenal exhibition that we saw briefly that Monica gave us a wonderful whistle-stop tour through. So um, that's on still at the Czech Centre. So there's more stuff going on. Um, uh, please, as I said, drink and enjoy the music um, and stay, stay until we close. But when you do leave, it would be really wonderful if you can um, uh, tell us your reflections and thoughts and feedbacks and other stuff that you would like to hear from us and explore with us next year. Um, that's over there by my colleague, Christina, who read so beautifully. Thank you very much, Christina. <laughs> I'm, I'm being told something. You can still want to take the mic. Yes, I'm being, I'm being completely reminded that next year we're launching a new program called The Europeans, um, which is our way of looking at... Um, we're, we're, in, um, we're interested in exploring and creating and, and kind of critically analysing as sort of a European cultural canon. So we've chosen a few extraordinary artists, writers, thinkers who we want to learn more about. Um, uh, and we want to kind of learn with, learn and hear and reflect on with contemporary artists. So we're kicking off in January with Dora Maar, the, the surrealist photographer whose exhibition has just opened at Tate Modern. So she's not with us, obviously, very sadly, but we're reflecting on her and her legacy here. And then we're looking at Gunter Grass and we're looking at Deus Cantor and Arva Part later in the year and lots of wonderful artists so from across Europe. So come along, I hope behind me shortly there'll be the there we are as if by magic um the dates for next year's january and february um events oh I'm, i also must tell you we're doing something on george Eliot, but not in london so if you fancy the trip to warwick art center we're looking at george Eliot on the 5th of february um and i think that's it other than to thank Teresa, and we only saw such a short excerpt of Teresa's film please please do track down her films they're really quite wonderful um including michia can we see it and is it, is it possible to see anywhere <sighs> this one, it was on HBO Europe, which you don't have here, and, <laughs> and uh, well, my, my fiction film is on Amazon, so there. So, and that's filthy. Yeah, that's filthy, and I don't know, I guess torrents or some pirate... <laughs> websites. You maybe know. we'll find an opportunity to screen it. Um, or maybe the Czech Center, or the Slovak. Well, 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 between us, we'll find an opportunity to see it, because it's really, it's really a wonderful film. N see it officially, not in a pirate capacity. Um, and to Andre for sharing some of his phenomenal writing. Um, to Susanna and to Monica, whose book is available at the back. Um, thank you so much. And don't go away, go to grab a drink. Thank you. So I hope you enjoyed our discussion. A huge thanks again to all my guests that evening for their contributions. To the amazing Julia Sherwood and Renata Clark for introducing us to our guests. To Martina Šimkovičová for editing this podcast. To the Slovak Embassy and the Czech Centre for their support. 
Richmix for hosting the live event, and a special thanks to you all for listening. As I listened back to the podcast, it was impossible not to hear the talk of revolution and change through the prism of today's coronavirus. How easy it was and is for tyrants and oligarchs to take advantage of the chaos and the confusion and seize more power, and the need for us to continue to find new ways to show up and to hold our democracies to account. I hope you may feel inspired by my brilliant guests in the conversation. The team behind the Dash Arts podcast is me, Josephine Burton, Christina Catalina and Natalie Beach. Our intro music is from Dancing Fakir by Maruf Majidi. Our theme song is called On the Edge of Your Spring, written by Sasha Relukovic, with music arranged by Andy Hall. You can find more episodes wherever you get your podcast, or by going to our media section on our website, dasharts.org.uk. If you like the Dash Arts podcast, follow the show, share, and please leave us a review. It helps us stay visible and would mean the world to us. I'm Josephine Burton, back in a fortnight with more conversations at the Dash Arts Podcast. Thank you for listening. Grazie.